0: Hello, listeners. Um, before the episode starts, I would just like to put out a warning for listener discretion, as there is a brief mention of sexual abuse in this episode. It's kept very brief. Um, there is not much detail, but still, listener discretion is advised. Hello, listeners. It's Al, and today's case is a not-so-recent case. It's from 2001 and it is the Alyssa Turney case. Now Alyssa Turney was the older sister of Sarah Turney and daughter of Barbara and Michael Turney. Um, her family was a mixed one. Bar- her mother Barbara had a previous marriage before Michael and had Alyssa and one other child, and Michael had a previous marriage where he had three children, and when S- Alyssa was three, Barbara and Michael married, and later on had, <clears throat> sorry, had um their daughter Sarah Turney. And they were just a happy, blended family. <clears throat> I'm so sorry, my voice is going out. Um, and everything seemed to be going good for them, but unfortunately, when Alyssa was nine years old, her mother, Barbara, passed away from cancer. Now, at this point, um, all the other children had grown up, moved out, which left Michael to take care of, um, Alyssa and Sarah on his own. But Alyssa had disappeared on the last day of her junior year of high school. And this was following when her stepfather picked her up from school early that day. Um, Michael claimed that um, they had an argument after he picked her up because she wanted more freedom. And this is because at this point in Alyssa's life, Michael had her under constant watch. There were surveillance cameras in the house, outside the house. There was a phone call recording system set up and just it was a lot of pressure on her and she wanted more freedom than that because she was going into her senior year and she felt it wasn't right to be under like that constant control of her stepfather. Um, and also, um, you can actually find the recording that Sarah found on her Twitter page. Uh, Michael actually showed up to Sarah's workplace at a local Jack in the Box and would record her at work. Um, it's honestly quite disturbing because I watched the, um, video the other day and it's just... It's disturbing, like I said, but, um, following the argument, Alyssa had stormed off and Michael claims that he left then to go pick up his daughter, Sarah, from, uh, her last day of seventh grade. Well, contrary to what Michael had said, Sarah claims that Michael never picked her up from school that day. So she decided to walk to a friend's house that was nearby and just called Michael from there to let her know where she was. So Michael came and picked her up and while in the car he told her that Alyssa, wa- Alyssa wasn't answering him and she needed to try calling her cause maybe she would pick up um, if Sarah called. But when Sarah called Alyssa's phone she did not answer. So as soon as they got back home, they both went up to Alyssa's room, and when they got there, Alyssa's room was a mess, which was very unlike her. And her her backpack was on the floor. The contents were spilling out, and it was just it was odd. Well, while in the room, Alyssa. Sorry, Sarah had tried calling Alyssa's phone again, and they found it buzzing on her dresser, so she didn't have her phone on her when they had called before then. And upon looking more in the room, they found a note on Alyssa's bed that said that she was running away to California, and one of the lines in it was, Sarah, you wanted me gone. Now you have it. And also said that she took $300 from Michael. But oddly enough, it didn't mention anything about the fight with Michael. And um, she had already made plans with friends that evening to go to a party. So it was odd. She already had plans and then randomly decided to run away. <laughs> Just that's how it looked at first. And another odd thing was that Alyssa still had $1,800 that had still, even after her disappearance, remained untouched in her bank account, which you would think if somebody was running away, they would take all the money they had, including in a bank account, so it was just another odd thing. But... Um, Michael went and made filed a police report, but it was blown off as just being a runaway case. There was even a note for it, so no real effort ends up being put into it at first because it seemed like a close-and-shut runaway. But um, Michael claimed that a week later, he got a call from a California number that he thought sounded kind of off, but... Must have been Alyssa, and that sounded like she's being pulled away from the phone and was cussing, and then says something along the lines of "Leave me alone." Um, but from what I've read online, there was no evidence of this call ever having taken place. But still, the case just got kind of uh, out of the public eye and just wasn't talked about, so there was no real effort being put into it because it just seemed like a teenager that ran away. But now let's move on to 2006. So this is five years after Alyssa disappeared. And Alyssa's case was in the public eye again because serial killer Thomas Hymer claimed to have killed Alyssa, and at the time Heimer was in prison for the murder of a woman he had been traveling with um, in 2001 named Sandra Goodman, and he was arrested for killing her, was charged with it, and um, was put in prison in 2003. So at this point, he'd been in jail, sorry, prison for three years, and he claimed to have killed Alyssa, but though at first it seemed like it would be some closure, it soon was doubted heavily because, first of all, he claimed that Alyssa was a heroin addict, which everyone who knew her said was not true. She never did heroin or anything like that extreme. So that was a big red flag. And also he described other traits of Alyssa's that, um, Alyssa's boyfriend that she had been dating before her disappearance said, didn't add up to Alyssa. So following all of this, Heimer, um, took a polygraph test, which he ended up failing which made investigators think that he may have just seen Alyssa's face in the newspaper and decided to toy with authorities. Because, unfortunately, lots of serial killers do claim to have killed people that they did not kill. So, that's what it's thought to be at this point, because, like, she was never found, things just didn't add up, so it kind of just fell out again. But then we're going ahead two years again to 2008 and Alyssa's friends spoke more with the police and, sorry, um, the information they gave them made Michael a prime suspect because first there was Michael's constant surveillance system, which police didn't know about until Alyssa's friends told him, told them. So, Due to this, officers had asked Michael to hand over any footage and audio recordings from the day of Alyssa's disappearance. But Michael refused and said that back in 2001, he had already gone over the surveillance footage and found nothing important. And that it just happened that that day, he didn't turn on the phone recording system that morning. So there was nothing there to listen to because nothing was recorded, apparently. But these were both red flags because... Okay, the phone system not being up could be dismissed easily as, Okay, he forgot to turn it on that morning. But you would think if your kid went missing, even if you didn't find anything important, you would still hand over anything that investigators could possibly find important to the case. Like, what Alyssa was wearing and how she acted when she left would all be seen on that footage. So, it made it seem like he was hiding something. So, investigators decided to search the home and among um, all of Michael's things, they found contracts that he made Alyssa sign. And among these were different ones such as that he never molested her or never abused her. Things along those lines. And they just showed Michael's need for just total control over Alyssa. Which was even more so concerning because that was the opposite of how he acted with his daughter Sarah. Like, for example, after Alyssa's disappearance, Sarah was actually given, like, full reign of the surveillance system that Michael had set up in the messer bedroom. And he just, like, didn't really give her that many limits. Whereas Alyssa had very... um, many restrictions so it was like night and day between his parenting styles with both of his daughters so with all this coming out Michael was labeled as uncooperative because he didn't want to work with investigators on this suddenly so it raised many red flags with police then another thing that raised red flags was Alyssa's relationship with Michael, according to her friends. Because according to a childhood friend, uh, Katie Rothweiler, um, she had told police, when Alyssa was around her friends, she was a completely different person than when she was around her family. She just radiated when she was out and about with friends, and it seems like that that energy that she had kind of got sucked back in when she went into her home. And another friend of Alyssa, Charity Thompson, spoke more on how Michael treated Alyssa. My experience of Alyssa was that she was a very intelligent person and that a lot of times she would confide in me, Thompson said. Mike made her feel as though maybe she wasn't as smart as she believed herself to be. It was almost to the point where I was constantly eating up at her and, you know, just really deeply hurting her inside. So... They seem to have a very strange relationship, and Michael seemed to just be very demeaning towards Alyssa. Just especially with what her friend Charity Thompson had said, that he would demean her with her intelligence. And one thing I read online is that he would, like, say things like, oh, she's not that smart, she has ADD, this and that, when she wasn't as Out there as he made her out to be and she was never diagnosed with anything such as ADD so it was just It was like his way of bringing her down, which is not good at all But unfortunately It still gets worse um, according according to an unnamed friend Michael tried to sexually abuse Sarah when she was, sorry, not Sarah, Alyssa when she was younger, after he picked her up from school. Um, Another unnamed friend said that Alyssa once woke up to Michael gagging her with a sock. Though Michael Turney, of course, has denied both allegations. I mean, honestly, if you do something like this... There's, like, no criminal is going to be like, oh, yeah, I did that. (laughs) Like, there's, like, I'm sure there are some, but they're few and far between. So. Anyways, later in 2008, on December 11th, Michael Turney was arrested when he was found armed with two guns, clips, and a knife while collecting his mail. And upon a further search of his house, officers found 30 improvised explosive devices, weapons that could cause blasts, and high-caliber assault rifles. And then the cherry on top is that amongst the weapons was a 98-page manifesto titled Diary of a Madman Martyr. And within the, man- within the manifesto, Michael had a document stating that the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers was behind Alyssa's disappearance. He had written that he had plans to blow up the Union Hall in order to get vengeance against those he claimed took Alyssa. He also allegedly wrote that he'd killed two assassins who murdered Alyssa. And due to all of this, Michael was sentenced to 10 years in prison um, and was actually released in 2017. So, even now, Alyssa has not been found, and most believe that Michael Turney did indeed kill Alyssa. And among those who believe this is Sarah Turney, Alyssa's younger sister. She's been a major pusher in trying to get the DA to reopen the case and prosecute Michael Turney for the death of Alyssa Turney. And this is in part due to um, a conversation Sarah had with Michael Turney after he was released from prison in 2017. And in this conversation, Michael told Sarah that he would tell her on his deathbed what had happened to Alyssa. He also claimed that Sarah herself already has the answers. I will play the audio now so you can hear it for yourselves. deathbed, Sarah, and I'll give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Why don't you give them to me now? Because you got them now. Then why are you making me this offer to go to your deathbed? (laughs) I don't know, Sarah. What are you looking for? the audio did not come out as the best quality, so I will have a copy of what was said in the description of this episode. Um, Sarah has also started a petition to bring media attention back to the case and hopefully put enough pressure on law enforcement. You can find a link to this petition on my Twitter page or by visiting Alyssa, sorry, I keep saying the wrong names here, um, Sarah Turney's Twitter page, and that is spelled S-A-R-A-H-T-U-R-N-E-Y. And as of the time I am recording this, she only needs 105 signatures before reaching the 160,000 signature goal. Every signature counts, and you can choose whether or not you have your name visible on the list of those who have signed. Um, so that is up to you whether you would like him to be visible if you do sign. Um, it is possible that if enough media, media pressure is, um, put on law enforcement, they could get justice for what happened to Alyssa. Now, I personally do believe that Michael Turner could be responsible, but it's up to you as a listener whether or not you believe that and help. Even just a post on your social media account with the hashtag JusticeForAlyssa. And Alyssa is spelled A-L-I-S-S-A. But even just a post with that hashtag could help because it'll just add to how many people are talking about it and bringing it up. And it'll have other people see it and bring more and more attention to the case. Because... No matter what happened, Alyssa deserves justice for whatever happened to her. And Sarah deserves the closure of knowing what happened. And so does the rest of Alyssa's family. So, as always, thank you for listening and stay safe.